You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, we're off and running on this Tuesday, April 29th. Good morning. Welcome in. Yes, we are back for a second straight day. Two days in a row. I know, I'm amazing. Radio's Iron Man. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Plenty to keep us busy on this Tuesday edition as, of course, we take you up until Golick and Wingo come your way at 6 o'clock. The number, of course, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. That is not postponed. That is not canceled. That is still up and running for you. If you want to reach out to the show, 1-800-919-3776. I... As you probably know, I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. And a ton on the agenda for today. Got to recap uh, episodes three and four of The Last Dance. Finally got to uh, catch up with those. You know, the only problem, it was nice when we weren't doing this show. One of the benefits was, you know, I was on with Larry at night. And I was able to watch a little nighttime TV. You know, this shift, as you know, as you're up and running right now. Uh, chances are you're not just up and running for the, the benefit of your health. You're probably up and working right now. But uh, I was not able to watch episodes three and four as they aired live. It was just too late. But I did uh, catch up with both of them yesterday. Both excellent. So some thoughts on that. Some thoughts on uh, some TV watching during quarantine. But let's be honest. The real headliner today. The real reason you may have tuned in. The return of the rewatchable movie bracket. Yeah, it's been a little while. It's been about a month. We had some great momentum rolling with it, and then, you know, things outside of our control. But it is back. It is better than ever. We've been waiting for it, and it will resume today with a featured matchup. Oh, my goodness, this matchup. This to me, this matchup to me today will tell me if this thing was worth it or not. There have been moments when we can't, when I came up with the idea, I said, this is fantastic. I love this idea. Let's do it. Let's see how it goes. And then, you know, it's like uh, something you, it's like your child. You put it out into the world. You're hoping your child is going to be a success, but there's moments where your child has some, some, some bad moments. And let's be honest, the voting public has had some bad moments. I'm not going to look down at you. Well, I am going to look down at you. You've made some mistakes. I can only put the, the matchups in and give you guidance on what the right answers are. And a lot of times you pick the wrong answers. I can't help that. But today, this matchup today, if it goes the way it absolutely should, I think that I will feel confident that no matter how it turns out, it will have been worth it. But we shall see. It's out of my hands. I can only birth the, the child out into the world. It's you, the world. That's up to uh, it's up to you whether or not uh, the child is successful or not. I am washing my hands of it, especially if you guys get it wrong today. But let's first set the stage for a little later this morning. Golick and Wingo, as I said, six o'clock, nine thirty today. They will talk with Jets GM Joe Douglas, who was on with the Michael K show yesterday. Then the Michael K show today, they will have Giants head coach Joe Judge. He will be on at three thirty. Uh, Joe Douglas, nine thirty this morning with uh, Golick and Wingo, then 3.30 this afternoon, it is Joe Judge. So we'll see whether or not Joe Judge has any answers about things and uh, whether or not he uses anybody's actual full name. We'll see. We, you know, you don't want to give away too much information. But let's start with the headlines of the day, the sports news. 
before I spend the next 35 minutes waxing poetic about why Die Hard is a perfect movie. Uh, here's the thing. I think I have realized about myself in a sports context during the times that we live in. And maybe this was true even before this, but it's it, it's crystal clear to me while we're going through what we're going through, especially in a sports context. I am someone who is hoping for the best, but I am also somebody who is expecting the worst. And there's this battle, this internal battle on a daily basis, sometime on an hourly basis, based on what, based on the information that you are taking in at any given moment. I find that when I'm not watching the news and I'm just, you know, kind of living my life, I'm a little bit more hopeful than other times. Maybe it's like 75-25. And then there's other times where, you know, you get a piece of information or you're reading Twitter or whatnot and it swings the other way. But I am someone in a sports context, and maybe in a world context, but that's not its not a world show, it's a sports show, that I'm hoping for the best, but I am expecting the worst. So whenever there is any glimmer of good news in a sports context, like yesterday, the report from Adrian Wojnarowski about uh, NBA facilities may be opening up Friday, right? I have decided, maybe as a way to stay sane, that I'm going to go with it. And I am going to... Have a little faith that these things will happen, even though I realize what a small initial step that would even be. It's not like they're saying, okay, guys, we're clear. You know, I realize that it's maybe not even a real first step, right? Like Adrian came out yesterday and said already there's being some pushback, even by teams located in states who are having the the relaxation of stay-at-home orders, the Atlanta Hawks. But in terms of a sports fan, in terms of being a sports talk show host, I realize that there's a good chance that even by putting my faith in some good news, that my hopes are going to be dashed when reality comes in. You know, you don't want to jump at any false hope. You don't want to be tying your, your, your psyche to false hope. But sometimes when all you have is some false hope, that's the best game in town. So yesterday, Jeff Passan, baseball insider, put up an article on ESPN.com. And it was, I think it was 20 questions about the, the possibility of a baseball season. But the main takeaway that anybody would have had by reading Jeff, and he's as tuned in as anybody in terms of baseball, was that there will be a baseball season. There's incentive for both sides financially to get in there. And the hope is that the more time you wait, the more robust testing becomes. Testing is such a huge issue here because if this plan is going to be implemented, if any plan is going to be implemented, there need to be a number of tests and tests that are not being taken away from frontline healthcare workers as well as the sick. All right. So there's Jeff Passett on SportsCenter yesterday and part of the article. And he lays it out, I think, properly. Uh, the first aspect of it in the 20 questions was, okay, what do we know? <laughs> and he said, well, we, we, we know basically nothing. And we also know somewhat. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the landscape right now, very much up in the air. But he says that you look at the, the opportunities, right? Starting maybe in May and May starts on Friday, Arizona, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Colorado, Minnesota are among the states expected to have the stay-at-home restrictions 
relaxed or lifted, depending on the state. And that so that means that basically a quarter of baseball teams could theoretically host games without fans. Now, he makes it clear that's not going to happen, but that. With things moving in that direction, obviously a good direction to move in. Now, when you say these things or you tweet these things or you talk about these things, look, there are going to be people, and I'm not saying that they're wrong, that are immediately going to shoot you down. They're immediately going to come in with the facts and and the, the logistics and the downsides of all... I think most people, I'm not going to say everybody, because what this pandemic has, has showed you is that you can't get everybody all on the same page. You can't even get like 90% of people all on the same page. But they're going to come in with, well, this can't happen. That Well, what about this? What about, yes, we all realize there are obstacles. We all realize that there are downsides. But as I said, I am going, I am going to be someone who's going to hope for the best. And expect the worst. And part of the reason why it's not, I don't think, just false hope is that, as Jeff points out, baseball can kind of follow the direction of other sports. Not that it's identical, but the Korean baseball organization, uh, the league in, uh, I believe it's China, the English Premier League, other leagues are set to return shortly and are set to return a little over a month after their scheduled openings. Now, they obviously have dealt with the pandemic earlier than we have, but that kind of gives you maybe uh, a blueprint for moving things in the right direction. So what's the hope? Well, according to Jeff Pass, and the hope is that they finalize a play, uh, finalize a plan fairly soon, right? Like finalize a plan sometime in the month of May. They do have to still work out an agreement with the players by, you would think, at the latest June. Then they got to give the players a chance to, you know, they got to figure out where they're going to do this, right? They're not going to do it. You know, all the stadiums are not going to be open by that point. So it is going to be, if you're putting any plan in place, you're going to have to, at least initially, put teams in specific locations, our, you know, the plans that have been floated, Arizona and Florida. Texas has been in the mix. Uh, maybe there's some other states that I'm not thinking about right now. But then you have to give players time to prepare, right? Probably about two, three weeks at least. And if you can do that, then maybe you can start the season in July, play probably 80, 90, maybe 100 games. If you could start in July July, August, September, October, and then, you know, hold playoffs after that, maybe neutral sites in November. You certainly couldn't do it in all the places, but if you're playing the regular season games in Arizona and Florida, I would think that you would be able to play postseason games in Arizona and Florida. And while there are many obstacles, many unknown factors that you can't really lay out right now, the main reason I think that Jeff points to for why if you want to have hope that there's a baseball season, it's because of incentives. The incentive is there for the owners and the incentive is there for the players. And I'm not saying that it's going to be a perfect situation. I'm not saying that all the players are going to be in agreement that they want to play. But I do think 
And we all do these things, right? We all base decisions in life based on what the incentives are. And there's downsides to everything. Now, the downsides here are certainly more serious than the downsides and other decisions you make in the course of the day. But the incentives are there, especially financially. Everyone pretty much wants there to be a season. And as Jeff points out, there's also a incentive to make sure that there's a season so that there's the, not the doom and gloom of not having a season. Because if Major League Baseball at any point comes out, and look, maybe if we get down the road, the reality of the situation will start to sink in. But if baseball were at any point to say, you know what, we're just not going to be able to do it this year, the sense of, I think, the country, especially in terms of sports fans, but even non-sports fans, knowing that there's not going to be a baseball season, that would be a harsh reality. That would be basically a nightmare. Because then you know if if there's not going to be a baseball season, well, then there's not going to be anything until you get to the fall. That's what it tells you. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So coming up, I'll give you more on the uh, the Jeff Passan thing about the, the baseball owners and the players because there's a lot of things just between them themselves. Forget about all the outside things. There, if you're if you're looking for the doom and gloom of of the situation, maybe the biggest thing that has to be worked out, even more so than the outside factors, are the inside factors and the relationship between the players and owners. So I'll give you more on that. Give you the review on episodes three and four of the Last Dance, and then of course, the very much anticipated return of the rewatchable movie bracket. It is up. The poll question is up for today. We will unveil the matchup coming up. I will just say right now, it's 5.17, right? So we're 17 minutes into the show. I'm already not happy with you people. I brought back the rewatchable movie bracket. I can take it away. I can take it away again. I don't care. I can throw it right in the trash, which apparently, at least early on, is what the voters are doing with their vote. I'm not happy. But let me tell you first, if you have a small business and you're trying to get the word out that you're still serving the community, please let us know. We've had over 350 local businesses reach out. We're still sharing their messages. If you are one of them, look, let us do it. Let us do the heavy lifting for you, or at least some of the light lifting. We're we're not doing the heavy lifting. The light lifting. Send us an email, 987ESPN at gmail.com. Let us know your story. And we can pass the word along to our listeners. Again, that's 987-ESPN at gmail.com. Like Finelli's Deli, located 566 Woodrow Road in Staten Island. Still open, serving all types of meat, including chop meat, raw steaks. raw ch- That's supposed to be chop meat. It's not chop meat, dum-dum. Chop meat, raw steaks, raw chicken cutlets, fresh-made burger and ready-made dinners, all Boar's Head cold cuts and much more pickup available every day, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sunday until 3 p.m. And you can call them, Vanelli's Deli, 718-984-0679. So uh, there you go. All right. So this is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, one 800 919 ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. All right, so we were talking about the baseball, Jeff Passon's report that it's not really a report, I don't think, as much as it is a statement 
in his 20 questions about Major League Baseball that baseball will happen in some form this year. Now, look, let's, as I said in the open, I'm going to go with, I am hopeful that that's going to be the case, even though there is that other voice. And it's like the, uh, almost like, uh, Animal House, right? When there's that one seed, he's got the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other one. This is not an angel and a devil as much as it is just, uh, you know, the, the, the thoughts that go through your head in the course of the day. You know, sometimes you're a little bit more hopeful than others. Other times you're a little bit more depressed. I feel like uh, watching the news. That's the depressing part of the day. Or maybe when it's when I'm teaching, uh, fourth and sixth grade. That's pretty depressing as well because you realize when you do – I have two kids. When you're teaching fourth grade, you're on top of the world. You can figure everything out. When I get to sixth grade, I don't know what happened. I can now – this pandemic has detailed to me that some wherever I went wrong, it was somewhere between fourth grade, good, sixth grade, not so much. But in terms of the baseball season, let's hope that all the details are going to get worked out. And already yesterday, right, yesterday at this time – we were talking about the the report from Woj about NBA teams, at least in the states where the stay-at-home orders are going to be relaxed, that they're thinking about Friday opening up facilities. And already you got some pushback because NBA teams are you know saying maybe that's not such a great idea. So that's out there. And I'm sure maybe today, tomorrow, Jeff Passan will have more details on the, 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 the plans or – if there is going to be a formulation of a plan, I don't even know if there's a plan yet because there just can't be a plan yet. But that's the way I'm going to approach this. I'm going to approach it from the aspect of I am hoping for the best, but I am expecting the worst. And then there's the NFL. Sports Business Daily had a report yesterday that the NFL is considering October 15th as that would be the drop dead date to have a full season. That if they, as long as they're started by October 15th, they could still have the season completed by February. And I would be honest with you. Um, now week, October 15th would be week six under normal circumstances. And the NFL has been pretty out there about they plan on, at least right now, starting their season on time. If they did move back the season, and at this point, the question is just, are you going to have a season? I mean, as long as you're going to have a season, do whatever you got to do. But I'll be honest with you. If they move the season back a week or two, I would not be, I don't think most people would be opposed to that. I always feel like when the NFL season's over, you're kind of in this no man's land that uh, in terms of a sports sense that, you know, baseball's still a ways away. The basketball, because the Knicks situation has been so terrible over the last few years, you know, you don't really have that big thing to 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 watch and, and root for and be focused on until you get to March. So if it did turn out that the NFL pushed things back so that the season ended rather in early February but late February, I think that that would be a better uh, a better plan anyway. So uh, I'm not ready to even entertain the notion that. The NFL season could be impacted. I'm still kind of uh, hoping for the baseball season to get off and running. And at some point, no matter what the the plan is, no matter what the the format is going to be, just to have sports back on a regular basis 
is uh, kind of key right now, and uh, that's what I'm focused on, and I'm going to look on the, the bright side of things until I am given reasons to really be focused on the negative. Until someone says baseball will not happen, even though I know the details, I know the facts, I know the situation that we're standing in, I am still going to look on the bright side. All right, so before we get to the poll question for today, which at least early on people are absolutely butchering, let me see what the latest is here. Maybe it's because I haven't uh, I haven't uh, pinned it. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know. I don't know what your problems is, people, but we'll get to that. Let's uh, review a little bit the uh, two episodes of The Last Dance, right? By now, you probably caught up on it. And the, the two episodes, obviously, they air on Sunday nights on ESPN. You have the one, I think it's ESPN regular where it's the, the uncensored version, and then ESPN 2 is the censored. I like the uncensored. I'm a grown man. I'm, that's what I'm. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for the uncensored look. Nobody says here's a censored look. I mean, I guess if you're watching with kids, I admit whatever. Um, as if my kids haven't heard those words during this quarantine, right? Just during math homework. Um, but the last dance, episodes three and four, you kind of had because of the the, the previews that were out there. You knew you were going to get a, a Rodman episode. And you knew just based on how the story goes, because it's a documentary and most of us have lived through it, you were going to get the battle against the Pistons. And episode three, kind of in terms of um, an entertainment vehicle, kind of introduces you to Dennis Rodman and the story of Dennis Rodman with the Bulls. And if you were to be casting a show, casting a sitcom, Dennis Rodman is the perfect person to kind of cast in that role because, A, you have the superstar. You have your main lead in Michael Jordan, this amazing superstar. Then you have the sidekick in Scottie Pippen. And then, you know, let's be honest, you have the wacky neighbor, right, Dennis Rodman. And uh, he fits in that role perfectly. And, you know, it's been kind of illuminating to see the reaction to the documentary because I don't know what younger fans, fans who did not live through the MJ, it's been kind of eye-opening to see people who did not live through that era kind of get exposed to that era that they didn't, like, I, I, I just assume people know these things, right? Like, you just assume, oh, I lived through it, everybody lived through it. So it's kind of been eye-opening to see people's reaction to how amazing and awesome Michael Jordan was. And it's kind of interesting, at least it will be, to see the Rodman reaction because he is like Jordan. You can understand the greatness, right? Like we've seen great players before and his greatness is a, so, you know, you can, you can compare it to other great. Now I think, and I think most people who live through it think that Jordan is the greatest. But you can compare the great all-time superstar to other great all-time superstars. Rodman, his talent is really unique. He is a fascinating character, but his talents are completely different, I think, than just about anyone else. It's very hard to compare him uh, in a total player aspect to anyone else. And his episode, the third episode, which really focuses on him, well, I mean, everything kind of focuses on Jordan, as it should, but his is, you know, his storyline really comes into focus in the third episode. And he, look, he's a fascinating character, and you got a lot of the, the details behind the story, which you would expect his upbringing, what he overcame, the fact he went to the small school, and then his association with the Pistons and how 
the the Bulls even accepted him, even though he was part of the hated Pistons, which really kind of comes into focus how much they hated the Pistons in the fourth episode. But, you know, and then his personality, which I think is what most younger fans, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's not, 1-800-919-ESPN, but I think that his personality is what gets remembered, the fact that he is this wacky guy with the colored hair and the fact that he did rebound amazingly. But I think what the episode really showed you, if for those who have forgotten or maybe you kind of downplay it, was just how great he was and how hard he worked to be as great as he was. The work he put in, even though he did all this extracurricular stuff and, you know, he takes the 48-hour vacation, which became a lot longer than 48 hours. And look, Jordan is... He, he's fantastic. He's a fantastic storyteller too, giving it from his point of view. You know, like when he's telling the, uh, the camera, you know, Phil, if you let this guy go out on 48 hours, he is not going to be back in 48 hours. And, and Jordan was, uh, absolutely correct on that. But, uh, the, 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 from the point of view of Rodman, I thought, you know, he was on point when he needed to be on point. Yes. He did all this other crazy stuff going off to Vegas and, and, you know, going clubbing and Carmen Electra and all that stuff, I guess, is fascinating. To me, the more fascinating point of it was how it translated into the sports context and how even though he did all those things, he was still, when he was on the court, he was on point and that, his greatness still translated. It didn't take away from his his greatness on the court. I do think that the documentary, if I had any quibble at all, and look, it's it's the last dance. It's not the story really of the formation of the Bulls dynasty. But I do think that Horace Grant has can been kind of given the shaft a bit. I mean, if you were just if this was your introduction to the Bulls. Even though it's called The Last Dance, you would think that Rodman was there the whole time. Like the Bulls legend was already established when Rodman got there. And when Rodman was part of the Bulls, that was the – I mean, look, he was still great and he was exactly what that team needed. But he was 33, 34 years old. I mean, his reputation was already kind of established and the Bulls' dominance – was already established, and it kind of makes me feel like, yeah, they won with Rodman, but and maybe this is the the cynical way I look at it: the power of Jordan. That's what the whole story is about. That they, yes, Rodman was great. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's an all-time defensive talent, rebounding talent, a unique story, all those things. But that they would have won anyway because the power of MJ and I know they made a very good case that they need you know the Bulls team needed to change the way they looked at things and that Phil Jackson coming in changed their outlook that Jordan didn't need to be the 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 singular focus all the time and the the the, the installation of the triangle offense allowed the team to get better even at the expense of Jordan's greatness maybe to a certain degree but, you know, the Rodman story, yeah, they won with Rodman, but they won without Rodman. And it kind of makes me feel like the same thing with Doug Collins. Now, we don't know that they would have won with Doug Collins. Maybe they wouldn't have. But it just, I don't know, maybe it's because I lived through it. I, it, it seemed to be inevitable. Even when they were battling the Pistons, even, you know, there were those those uh, feelings that, you know, at Jordan he can score, but he's never going to win. 
But it does kind of feel like in hindsight that they were always going to win, and maybe that's just my way of looking at it. So Rodman, clearly the winner of Episode 3. I thought it was a great episode. Uh, <laughs> I think clearly the loser of Episode 3 had to be Craig Elo because they detailed that uh, playoff series in 89 against the Cavs, and obviously Elo was the guy who was guarding Jordan on that final shot as he hit it, and you know the, the, the photo is everybody has seen now, the video that everybody has seen by now. And he hits the shot over Elo and, and Michael Jordan talking about <laughs> the way he, the, 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 the inflection in his voice when he said, well, they had Elo guarding me. And that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was fantastic. And then only to be topped by Ron Harper, who would later become a member of the Bulls, but was uh, on that Cavaliers team and how he details he, I think it was Lenny Wilkins, right? The coach was Lenny Wilkins. He went to Lenny Wilkins and said, I got MJ. Let me, let me guard MJ here. Let me, and basically Lenny Wilkins said, no, Elo is going to guard it. And, and I, I can't really do it because it was the uncensored version, as I said, but Ron Harper's reaction to that was uh, priceless. It was an all time, uh, reaction. So the last dance episode four kind of details. The battle with the Pistons, overcoming the Pistons, and the non-handshake, which Isaiah Thomas can say. I think Jordan is absolutely correct here. He can say whatever he wants about them not shaking hands, and that's just what was done. That's all nonsense. You saw the, the you know, there, there was a different situation. And the fact that the Pistons didn't shake hands, that was not a mistake. That was not something, oh, you know what? It was just the way it was. That was a conscious decision that, you know what? These guys beat us up. These guys finally overcame. And the bad boys were the bullies. And what the bully generally does not accept the defeat. When the defeat happens, they go off and, you know, they don't want to deal with it. And that's exactly what the Pistons did. So Isaiah was almost making it out like it was some sort of oversight or some sort of thing where, you know, we just didn't think about it. It's all oh, shaking hand. Well, you know, the Celtics, they didn't really shake our hand. It was just kind of an out. No, that was a conscious decision by the Pistons not to shake their hands. And I think Michael Jordan's reaction to it, whatever Isaiah wants to say, it's all nonsense. Now, he doesn't say nonsense, but maybe he does in the, uh, in the censored version. But the uh, last dance, if you've not seen it yet, uh, is the epitome, really is the epitome of a binge worthy show if you could when when episode one was over you wanted episode two right away when episode two was over you wanted episode three right away and uh, if, if i could watch all 10 episodes right now if they were available to watch them all right now i probably would it is a it is worthy uh it's not just a binge worthy show it's worthy of the binge right like sometimes you watch a show and you rush through it and then by the time you get to the end of it it's like yeah kind of petered out I feel like that way with the TV show Ozark, which is a very popular binge watch, but is vastly overrated. People talking about it being one of the great TV shows of all time. When people say that, it just makes me realize people don't understand why the great TV shows of all time are the great TV shows of all time. But The Last Dance is absolutely worthy of the binge watch. And if you're not watching it, if you're a Nick fan, even though... It's a very painful watch because you know how the story ends, and it does not end with the Knicks on top. The Knicks are never, the, the Knicks are never the Bulls were to the Pistons, right? They they were never able to uh, to get over the hump and win a title. Yeah, they got past them when when Jordan was off in retirement, but that's not the same thing. 
So, but uh, the the uh, Last Dance certainly has been a fantastic binge watch, and you can catch it on Sundays on ESPN. <laughs> Do you regret now not shaking their hand? Do you stand by no. that? Why would I regret now today? I don't, I don't care what the media says about them. I never did. If I did, I'd be a basket case, uh, especially back then. Uh, so, you know, I just I was about winning basketball games and winning championships and did whatever I had to do to get the most out of my ability and our team. And we did. We, at the end of the day, we're called world champions. All right. So there's Bill Lambeer. Where was Bill Lambeer? Was that Sports Center? To the podcast? The jump. There jump. you go. Bill Lambeer on the jump, uh, talking about the decision to not, and it was a decision. And good for Bill Lambeer. You know, I think all you ask for in life, this, you know, look, I think in hindsight, they, you know, would I have shaken their hand? Yes, I probably would have. But in the moment, and for who they are, be who you are, do you, and who the Pistons were, they were the bad boys. So it is not all that shocking. That they would walk off. And I like how Isaiah put it out. I think it was Isaiah that put it out there. Well, it was Lambeer's decision not to do that. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, he just decided on his own and everybody followed. No, that was that. That was who they were. And they stayed true to who they were. And I think all you would ask is that you own it. And Bill Lambeer at least owned it. Uh, Isaiah, not so much. But of course, the last dance airs on Sunday nights on ESPN. But right now, of course, on this Tuesday morning, the Gordon Damer show, we did not do it yesterday. I wanted to give everybody a day to kind of look back at the draft because it was so popular. It was such a focus. But today, we have restarted the rewatchable movie bracket. And today, in case you don't remember, we were in the Elite Eight when we uh, obviously got sidetracked. But we picked things up today with a chance at the Final Four between two movies. And we go to the Action Region. And the two participants in the action region, regional final, we have the upstart, number six seed, Dark Knight. You see a guy like me. Freak. A guy like me. Look, listen. I know why you choose to have your little group therapy sessions in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman has shown Gotham your true colors, unfortunately. Dent, he's just the beginning. And, and as for uh, the television's so-called plan, Batman has no jurisdiction. He'll find him and make him squeal. I know the squealers when I see them. And what do you propose? It's simple. We uh, kill the Batman. <laughs> All right, we kill the Batman. There is the Dark Knight, the number six seed, which has uh, rolled through the tournament so far. But this time, they are going up against the number one seed. The clear number one seed in the action region. And that, of course, would be... Die hard. I figure you're here to negotiate. Am I right? You're amazing. You figured this all out already. <laughs> hey, business is business. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? 
Let's put it in my terms. You're here in a hostile takeover. You grab us for some green mail, but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around in the building. Am I right? Hans. Booby. I'm your white knight. Yes, Ellis did not end too well for Ellis. And, you know, the beauty of Die Hard is, A, it's a perfect movie. I've seen people tweeting this uh, this thing out, the five perfect movies. Die Hard is a perfect movie. Each scene is a movie in and of itself. And what Die Hard did so well and what Dark, Dark Knight does not do well, Dark Knight really is the story of Joker. And it's almost like they realize, you know what? Joker is actually a more fascinating character than the Dark Knight. And that's why Heath Ledger's performance in Dark Knight, while great, I don't think is the greatest Joker of all time. First off, what you realize is the, jo- the Joker Gordon, is Gordon, Gordon, Gordon. No, 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 no. Did uh, the Joker is the movie Joker, which came out last year? Was it last year, this year, whatever it came out? Last year. That was a fascinating, deep dive, dark, but fascinating. And what you realize is the character of the Joker, everybody who plays the Joker, everybody's always like, oh my God, he's so good as the Joker. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good role to play. It's meaty. You really chew the scenery. So, um, the Dark Knight, it's the battle of one character against one character. The story of Die Hard and what makes it so great is that Bruce Willis's character is not just battling Hans. He's battling the FBI. He's battling the local police. He's battling his own condition in the fact he doesn't have any shoes or socks. He's battling all these different things at once. And so I'm trying to pull up what the latest voting is. At least so far, Dark Knight is winning. And uh, at least so far... The bad guys are winning. I don't know how else to put it. It's a very close one right now. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't be close. It shouldn't be close at all. The number one action movie in a rewatchable context is obviously Die Hard. It's fantastic. It is on the Mount Rushmore of rewatchable movies. So, like, sometimes you watch the news and you you think to yourself... Look at look at these morons, right? Right? The morons are winning, right? The bad guys are winning. That's what this vote total shows me so far. The bad guys are winning right now. It's not it's it's not uh it's not a good sign for the state of the world. I'm not saying that the poll question is going to determine the fate of the world, but I'm not not saying it either. That's all I'm saying. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get some phone calls involved, shall we? Let's go out to Lewis and Whippany. Lewis, my friend, how are you, my pal? <laughs> how are you doing, Gordon? I'm good. Well, I'm not doing that great because people, the, the, the dum-dums are, are getting this wrong. Oh, man. So listen, real, real quick, because I know you might hang up on me after what I answer for the uh, okay. the, the movie. There's a very good chance. Um, <clears throat> um, oh, the morons on Twitter um, yes. tweeting Isaiah Thomas. Like, not the Isaiah Thomas from the Pistons, but the one from the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the current, the former Celtic uh, Isaiah Thomas. Yes, yes, yes. That was like the best. I was dying. Like, I was like, wait, people really tuning in? This guy, they're not even reading his bio. It's like not the same person. It's, it's amazing. Um, Yes, it is. Also, although, the by the way, I have, I have, I, I didn't know that was happening, but I just found out all those people are voting for Dark Knight. Just so you, just so you're aware. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so listen, um, the Packers just want Aaron Rodgers to either die on the field trying to make a play, or they just want to force him to retire. They literally drafted no wide receivers for him. 
there was a, someone put out a stat that Aaron Rodgers are, has only passed uh, to one player uh, just on the first round for a touchdown. And Tom Brady, Drew Brees in the upper what, low hundreds and Peyton Manning in the 250s, which is insane how you don't draft a receiver for your quarterback. And the Dark Knight is definitely going to win because... All right, Lewis, thank you for the call. Let's uh, let's get rid of Lewis. We don't need any of that uh, nonsense. Look, he was doing really well. He had a nice point about Isaiah Thomas. He had a good thing about the Packers. I agree with him on the Packers. Packers are doing a terrible job. Uh, and the fact that people keep comparing the Packers situation with the Eagles situation, I don't really get it. I understand they're both quarterbacks, and you took they you know they both went earlier. They were unexpected choices, but the Packers situation is completely different than the Eagles situation. The Eagles have a quarterback problem in that their quarterback can't stay healthy, and by taking Jalen Hurts in the second round, even though it is a bit puzzling, right? And you need a receiver. Uh, that one is not nearly as puzzling as the Packers' decision. That one makes no sense whatsoever. Much like voting for the Dark Knight makes no sense whatsoever when it's going up against Die Hard. So, all right, 1-800-919-ESPN. The voting is open at uh, the rewatchable movie bracket, the Gordon at Gordon Damer on Twitter. Uh, but coming up, we'll get more of your phone calls involved as we get ready for Golick and Wingo, who come your way at 6. And another reminder, 9.30, they are going to talk with uh, Joe Douglas. And it's m- amazing. After reading Twitter the last, like, two, three, four days, it's kind of crazy to me that uh, just reading Jet fans' tweets, I'm kind of surprised that Denzel Mims did not go number one overall. It's kind of surprising to me. Jet fans very high up on Denzel Mims. Uh, a good portion of those Jet fans probably did not even know Denzel Mims's name before uh, Thursday or Friday. Football has been front and center here for the last little while, and the draft has been such a major focus, which it always is, right? But uh, let's get some phone calls involved. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. In case you're just joining us this morning, we focused on a lot on the uh, Jeff Passan report yesterday. That baseball, according to him, and his opinion is that baseball in some form will happen this year. And my approach to these kind of stories, and we're going to get more of them, I'm sure, as the the pandemic moves through and we kind of get uh, you know more information about the the state of the world. That my, my point of view is going to be hope for the best, but keep realizing to expect the worst. But my first, the first thing, I'm not going to expect the worst right away. I'm not going to be one of these people that tells you all the flaws in the plan, all the details of the, the, the bad side of things. No, I'm going to hope for the best and I'm hoping there is going to be baseball this year. So that was the one of the main focuses that we've had this morning. We recapped episodes three and four of the last dance which has been fantastic and clearly it gets overused this term binge watch the last dance is a binge watchable show it's binge worthy and it's also worthy of the binge like you don't get done with it at least not so far three and four and you kind of know where the story you know goes but episodes four through four tenths of the uh the episodes that it's 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 fantastic. It makes you when you get done with an episode, you're ready to start the next one. And I've been trying to find a binge watchable show. I, I mentioned Ozark, which is vastly overrated, and it makes you realize people don't understand why the great shows of all time are great shows. The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, The Wire, Mad Men. It's not about plot, guys. It's about characters, legendary characters, and um, Ozark does not have those. 
But I've been trying to watch that, uh, what is it, Money Heist? I know people are really high on it. I'm not writing it off just yet. But I got to be honest, when I get done with an episode, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I, that's my episode for the day. I, I have not gotten to the stage, and maybe I will, where I'm like, oh, my God, this story is, is really heating up. So I'm hoping that's going to happen. I'm probably about five episodes in. I have not seen what the the big uh, you know hooplas have been about. All right, a couple more calls, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And, of course, the uh, poll question up for today, the rewatchable movie bracket is back. It is Die Hard, it is Dark Knight, and it is neck and neck so far. And uh, I'll just say, at least so far, the fact that the Dark Knight has started this strong, what it tells me is the bad guys are winning. That's that's what it tells me. And it tells me that uh, the audience is uh, getting it wrong, at least 50% of them. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Let's go out to uh, Greg in East Meadow. Greg, what's going on, my man? Gordon, welcome back. And thank you for holding this over to, you know, to, to, to your show. I was actually wondering about this the other day, so I'm glad you held it, on, held it for the mornings. Um, Listen, here's the problem, and I want Die Hard to win. I'm a huge Die Hard fan. As much as I like Dark Knight, Die Hard is, is the better movie and should win this. Should probably win the tournament overall. But you don't you don't underestimate the fanaticism of of these Dark Knight fans. These are the same people who go on like IMDb and vote down other movies just to just to prop up Dark Knight. So you know, Die Hard, as you can see by the numbers early, has a really really tough hill to climb here because. That's what you're up against, fanaticism of the Dark Knight fans. And I think it's it's also the the comic book fan. Uh, the comic book fan is is so into the comic books that they don't see the outside world. Uh, and th- that was the reason why when it came to the Marvel movies, and Greg, thanks for the call, um, the, the Marvel movies is that what you see is that if I had put one of the actual, you know, good Marvel movies in there, and we, I, look, I, I did it intentionally to put Captain Marvel in there so it would be an easy, you know, roll away loss for <laughs> the Marvel movie. Because if I put any of them in there, they're all the same movie pretty much. And people would not, um, people would not look at it rationally. And unfortunately, that's, that's the issue with the comic book guys. They're, they're so into the comic book. They, each comic book movie that comes out, they tell me how great this, oh, this, no, this one, you gotta see this. It's all the same movie. Pablo in Beachwood. Pablo, go, my man. What's going on? Good morning, Gordon. What's going on? Uh, so, real quick, M- Michael Jordan, uh, he's he's awesome. We all know that. All my older friends, I'm 32 years old, they all tell me that Jordan is like a god and like LeBron is, can't, even, can't even match up to Jordan. But Phil Jackson said, I need you to take it to another level. You need to pass the ball to Paxson to make the open shot. Wait a minute. That's what LeBron does, and yet he gets killed for it. So explain that to me. I don't understand that. Well, look, Pablo. It's a, and thank you for the call, Pablo. Uh, it's 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 one of those things that people they have their guy, and they're not going to give any credit to the other guy. Anybody who tells you that LeBron is not, you can't compare LeBron to MJ, is just not being obviously. You can compare them. Now that does not mean that I think that LeBron matches up with MJ, I think Jordan's the best of all time. And that's not a slight to LeBron. I think LeBron might be number two all time. Now, if you told me that LeBron wasn't as good as Kobe, well, then you'd really have Kobe, obviously, in this conversation, is third. There's no question about that. But to say that he's not comparable, 
but what it, it, it what it ends up being is that we get sides, right? People in this conversation always have to pick sides. And when you pick your side, you're not going to give the any the other side any credit. Leo in Jersey. Leo, go quickly, my friend. Uh, yes, man. I wanted to call in because I, I woke up this morning and I hear this about Die, die Hard and, and, and uh, The Dark Knight. It's unbelievable. I, I agree with you 100%, man. It's not even comparable. Uh, die Hard is, is, uh, is the top. I mean, it's not even, it's not even close. Look, Leo, I will say that MJ and LeBron, you can compare, but you're absolutely right, and thanks for the call. Yeah, you can't compare The Dark Knight to Die Hard. Die Hard is by far the better movie. And look, I'll just say, if it turns out that The Dark Knight wins and beats Die Hard, what it tells me is the rewatchable movie bracket was for naught. Like, it was, it was a, it was a nice concept, but because of the voting public, you screwed it all up. And what it tells you is the bad guys, at least so far, are winning, but we'll see you tomorrow, starting at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.